Hey MW, it's Melissa and Stephanie Carcace, the founders of Millennial Women and the hosts of Millennial Women Talk. Thank you for tuning in to our New York City Mentor episode. In this segment, we sit down with some of the most successful and knowledgeable women who are paving the way for us. We get the chance to ask them for their guidance and advice on some of the most challenging topics we face as millennial women. This episode was recorded in the beautiful offices of TVB on Wall Street in New York City. We had the incredible honor to interview Abby Auerbach, the Executive Vice President and Chief Communications Officer at TVB. Here are some of our favorite moments from today's episode. One of the things my coach says to me or said to me is stand in your power. At every level, you have responsibility, you have a job description, and you have a role. And you need to stand in that role and stand in it proudly. Circumstances are going to change and you have to rebalance. And that's how I think you do it all. But it's always an adjustment. So I don't know that you can do it all the way you feel happy and content all the time. Mm -hmm. I think you can have it all, but not all at the same time. And here's our full conversation with Abby Auerbach, our New York City mentor. Abby Auerbach, welcome. Thank you. Could you tell us a little bit about you, how you got started and sitting in a beautiful office in Wall Wall Street. Street. (laughs) Right, right. I'm sure it's a long story. It is a long story. I think I can make it short. And Wall Street's really very far away from what we do here Mm -hmm. because Wall Street is is usually associated with the financial world. Mm -hmm. And in fact, what we do here at TVB is we are the trade association representing the local broadcast television industry. So we are a hop, skip, and a jump from Madison Avenue, which is really the world that we live in and Mm -hmm. operate in. And I am um, executive vice president and chief communications officer. Mm -hmm. So my work is uh, focused on advocacy. Mm -hmm. And uh, the focus of that is to advocate for local broadcast television as an advertising medium Mm -hmm. with the people who are making decisions about how to spend their media budgets. Mm-hmm. So advertisers and agencies who are deciding how to allocate media dollars effectively to sell their products and services mm-hmm. need to look at all of the different media options that they have. And it's our role to educate them on the power and influence of local broadcast television to help them be effective with their campaigns. Mm-hmm. So at TVB, we have three departments. We have research, we have business development, and we have advocacy. And I lead the advocacy effort. And what we do is we take the insights and the analytics from our research group and we turn that into messaging points and information and useful information that advertisers and marketers can use in order to have effective campaigns. And we help to educate them so that they aren't caught up on misperceptions and ideas about changing consumer habits and media Mm -hmm. usage habits that may or may not be accurate in today's world and that they are accurately spending their money most effectively to move their campaigns ahead and sell their products and services. That's fascinating. That's That's what we do. I know a little bit about you, but Mm -hmm. one of the main things that stood out to me was you're a multi-passionate person. Um, I know you have other endeavors outside of TVB. Would you mind talking about anything outside Mm -hmm. of this 
fabulous job. Sure. <laughs> so um, I came to TVB from an agency background. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of interesting because that gives me a different perspective. The first half of my career, and it's almost specifically half, I spent 17 years at Ogilvy. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started, it was Ogilvy and Mather. It's now just Ogilvy. And I, uh, nine years of that, I was the U.S. Um, director of local broadcast buying. So that meant that I had the division of buyers that were in charge of radio and television buyers um, in my group. And we were responsible for buying time on radio and television stations in all of the markets across the country for all of Ogilvy's clients. So in those days, Ogilvy had seven offices. There was New York and Chicago, LA, um, LA, Houston, and every office operated as an individual advertising agency with their own clients and creatives. But we had one media buying group so that we had maximum clout and leverage in the marketplace. So there would be, for example, one Chicago buyer, and that Chicago buyer would buy time in the market of Chicago for every Ogilvy client. Regardless of maybe it was Mattel that came out of the L.A. office or Shell Oil that came out of the Houston office, Mm -hmm. that one market expert would do all those negotiations. Mm -hmm. So I ran that division um, for nine years, um, and I came up previously. I was a buyer in that group and and worked my way up. So in 2000, um, I joined TVB as the trade association, and I kind of changed to the other side of the desk. Mm-hmm. So for 17 years, I was a customer of television stations, and then I became the representative in the trade association and brought forward the customer's needs mm-hmm. and um, concerns mm-hmm. um, and interests mm-hmm. to the trade association, was able to represent those to the broadcasters who were so interested in being good providers of customer service. I could be that voice within the organization. So it was a very, very interesting opportunity. Um, And Chris Roars, who was the CEO at the time, gets all the credit for having that vision Mm -hmm. of bringing a customer in as his number two. Mm. Wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Fascinating story. I actually would like to start from a little bit of the beginning. Sure. Of how it was... How did you know or did you know what your passions were when you were younger, mm-hmm. like when you before you went to college or even like in high school? Mm-hmm. What was sort of your vision for your life? And what was that journey up until I know today is really hard to right, <laughs> right. sort of your, your process, your growing process? Right. And I owe Stephanie an answer on something that I do outside of my. <gasps> yes, oh, you yes. do. What in my house we, <laughs> we call forget. the job that pays me. So many amazing things. <laughs> right. So my original passion and my path. Um, started in high school when I was the um, editor-in-chief of my high school yearbook. And so I headed up all of the operations for my high school yearbook. So I had production and photography and the editorial staff and the advertising staff all reported into me. And I thought that was fantastic and (laughs) and, uh, fascinating. And it motivated me to want to get into advertising. So I went to school and I studied marketing and commercial art with the goal of being a creative director and getting a job in advertising as a creative director. And I shortly found out as I ran around New York City with my portfolio (laughs) that a career in art was not for me. Um, I, I actually did quite well creatively, but I was never cool enough. I was just never cool enough. <laughs> so that was just not the world. That. that was just not the world for me. But what I did find was that having a creative approach to strategy mm-hmm. and marketing 
was a perfect fit for me. Mm-hmm. And it was really great fun to bring a creative approach to negotiation. And in media, it was all about negotiation mm-hmm. and about understanding the strategy of a campaign and the objectives and the goals of the media campaign mm-hmm. and bringing that to light with the execution of the media campaign mm-hmm. and getting those commercials in the right place, finding the right types of sponsorships and integrations and really working those kinds of deals and making them work and come to life. Mm-hmm. Because an, a commercial could be fantastic, but if it's not seen in the right place, and if it's not augmented in the right way, it, it doesn't have the opportunity to live and prosper. Right. <laughs> so you were the best combination of creative and business. Yeah, for me, I was. Yeah, for me, I was. And it worked asset. for me. Yeah, for me, it, it totally worked for me. And you know, it's funny because a lot of the women in our community um, are going through these transitions, right? A lot of them are actually interns here in New York and mm-hmm. they were coming here for like one one specific goal. And they found out that that's not what they want to do. And now they're actually freaking out because they're like, wait, what is it that I want to do? Right. Totally do not freak out. Yeah. <laughs> because there is not one goal. And so what I love is to be able to set a target goal. Mm -hmm. I don't think it should be one specific goal. You should Mm -hmm. set a big, broad target for yourself and point yourself toward that because you have an interest, you have a passion, maybe you even have a skill Mm -hmm. and an affinity for it. And then when you do that and you walk toward that, all types of pathways will open up Mm. and you need to keep an open mind and open Mm -hmm. heart to that so that you can find those pathways and they'll present themselves. So you need to show up every day. You need to be the best you can be. You need to, you know, be present and aware, but and open to seeing what the opportunities are. I got the job at Ogilvy with the full intention of going into account management. Mm-hmm. I thought that once I decided that creative was not the way to, pers- to pursue my career, mm-hmm. that account management, which sounded to me like being the editor-in-chief of a yearbook Mm. would be (laughs) the the conductor of an orchestra was going to be the right career path for me. And it might have been. But in those days, unless you had a graduate degree, they wouldn't take you into an account management Mm. training program because on the client side, they all had MBAs Mm. and they wanted to make up make sure that the agency people and the clients were all matched up on equal par. Mm. So I did not have any interest in going back to school at (laughs) that time. And I had this harebrained idea that if I could get into the agency in the media department, I would bring an expertise from school about marketing and art Mm -hmm. and creativity. I would add to that some media expertise because I would get a job at the agency. And through that, I would channel my way. I'd be at one of the greatest agencies ever at Mm -hmm. Ogilvy and Mather. And I'd find my way into account management by virtue of bringing this skill set. But I got into media and I loved it. And it was a great fit for me. And I had wonderful mentors. And every time I got restless, I got promoted. (laughs) And it just worked. And here I am today. That's amazing. You talk about that you had your mentors because as I hear you speak, you've accomplished so much. Mm -hmm. I also get the sense you are very savvy (laughs) (laughs) and you're able to put things together and make it work for you. But you also mentioned that you had great mentors. We do get this question a lot Mm -hmm. in our womanhood, in our online community. Uh, There's some women that know this area. Well, my mentors and they're all in great mentorship programs Mm -hmm. and have are very involved in that. And then there's some women that are 
what's a mentor and how can I get one? Right, right. <laughs> so we have that, um, those two questions always, like the, the praising of the mentor and then who's a mentor? Um, could you speak a little bit about that? And we have a couple of questions, yeah. but how <laughs> okay. did you um, get started with being a mentee and how did you find your mentors and if there's any mentor that stood out to you? And then we would love to know your, your journey in becoming a mentor. So I think there are two ways to approach becoming a mentee. Mm -hmm. One is the formal way Mm -hmm. where you can seek out a mentorship program. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's how I met Diana, who's a CMO of Of Millennial Women. Women. (laughs) Um, And I am her mentor and she is my mentee. And we met several years ago through the She Runs It program, um, which has been wonderful for both of us. And then there is the organic way. And that's been my personal experience was the organic way. And I think that for me, that's been fantastic. Mm -hmm. And that has really been identifying people who are ahead of you, Mm -hmm. men and women. In my case, it's been mostly men, interestingly. And that may be because in this business, at least in the years I was coming up, Mm -hmm. it was mostly populated by men. Right. But identifying somebody who you aspire to model, Mm. that you like their work ethic, you like their values, Mm -hmm. you like the way they think, Mm -hmm. and you present yourself with an opportunity to learn from them. What I don't think works very well is to show up in their office and say, will you mentor me? Because I think that is off-putting to people because it feels like, oh no, what does that mean? What do I have to take on now? And all this responsibility. I think the best way to approach it is in bite-sized pieces. So it's to identify somebody that you admire and in little ways, ask for their guidance on some individual task or project or idea And then go back again or invite them out for coffee and explore an idea that you're having or ask for some advice about some career advancement that you're seeking. And little by little, engage this person with you. And I don't think there's only one person in your life that should be mentoring you because everybody that you meet along the way has different gifts and skills and you can benefit from all of those. Somebody who I admire very much said to me, Abby, you are the CEO of Abby Incorporated, and you have to build your board. And so think about all of the people that you know and you admire and that can bring skills to your board. Mm. So who is it that can help you with your HR career issues? And who is it that can help you with presentation skills questions? And who is it that can help you with, you know, diversity issue questions? And Think about it. Think about who is it in your life. Good stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Right? And it's It's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting how you put it or how you're, you know, who who gave you that analogy. Mm -hmm. It's, it actually makes a lot of sense because it's, if you look at it from like that, like almost like a business, you're able to actually sort of, um, not a business like transaction, but But you know, the way it's structured. (laughs) But it is. Because you do need a little bit of of everything. Because even Diana had said that too, that she even has other people for different different areas. And I said, I didn't even know you could have more than one. Exactly. Because I can't help Diana on all of the areas that she's exploring in her career. I don't have the expertise in my career. She's not pursuing the same career path that I have come up in. And she's looking to expand her career 
way out into areas that I have not ever been involved in. So there's only so much I can do to help her in certain areas. And there are other people that can help her in areas that, you know, that, that I can help her that they can't. Right. No, but it's good to know you can have more than one. Absolutely. (laughs) And I think the same thing, not to get off track, but I, I think the same thing about friends. That's so true. So, you know, I'm not a best friend person. I don't have a best friend. I have a group of friends. I have a friend I shop with, the friend I cry with, the friend I laugh with. Mm -hmm. I have a variety of friends. And, you know, it's a sisterhood of friends. And and I think it's the same thing in in my career. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a collection of mentors. You had um, touched base on especially in the beginning of your career, it was predominantly working with men. And you also... still. And I would love for you to talk a bit about that. I know women in the workplace have made strides, Mm -hmm. um, but I would love to know a little bit about your journey as a woman in this career path being surrounded with men. So that's been a a very, very interesting um, journey for me. Mm -hmm. Um, My experience has been as a woman that I've had to work harder and be a little smarter. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had to come to the table a bit more prepared. But one of the things I always was committed to, and to this day I'm always very, very aware of, is that there's a girl in the room. And I'm not willing to give that up. When I started my career, women dressed for work in suits that look like men. And I never wanted to look like a man. I'm not a man. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that there's a woman at the table, being a woman at the table brings a whole different mindset and opportunity for great ideas Mm -hmm. and solutions. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be recognized for what I could bring to the table in terms of my thought leadership, as well as being a woman at the table. And just by virtue of that, what I was bringing to the table. In the business I'm in now, it's mostly all men. It's not unusual for me to be the only woman at the table Mm -hmm. at a senior leadership meeting. And when I go to a conference and it's a sea of men in suits mm-hmm. and they're all blue and gray and a few black, <laughs> I will be the woman in a pink dress. I will be the woman in an orange dress. I will be the woman in the red dress. And it's not a sexy dress. Right. There's a girl in the room and I'm proud to be there and I'm proud to acknowledge the fact that you're a woman. That's right. Yeah. So your womanness is your strength. It's my point of differentiation mm-hmm. and it's bringing some unique skill to the room and to the table and to the thought leadership. I always find that very interesting because we have many different perspectives on this topic and it's very broad, but I definitely believe in this collaborative effort because it's not that one is trying to be the other and you know, it, it's more of we're too different, but our differences is what makes it bigger mm-hmm. and really exploring that. But I, I find it fascinating what you're saying, because we've recently at one of our talks have heard from one of our womanhood members mm-hmm. and she was very adamant and she's she's in film Cruise, film crews, oh, they're, production, yeah, yeah, the they're, they're all male. And right. she really made it an effort to not wear the dresses, to look as, as manly as she could. And she, that, that was, that was her words. And she just didn't even want to be noticed as a woman. She wanted to 
fit in with the boys and Mm -hmm. be the boys. And that really touched a chord for sure for me. And and I know for Mel too, to hear you say that I am that woman in that pink dress. I am that woman in the orange because I'm a woman and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I bring a different perspective to the table and that's the strength. Mm -hmm. So why try to be like the other, you know, I I think that's, I mean, I think the T I personally think the TVB benefits from the fact that we have a male CEO Mm -hmm. and a female EVP. Mm -hmm. I think that we both bring innate things Mm -hmm. to the leadership of the organization simply because of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What would you say to, to a young woman now, a millennial woman who is like, maybe she doesn't have the confidence or mm-hmm. even understand her skill sets or, mm-hmm. or just say, I don't even know what I'm doing half of the time. Mm-hmm. How can she find her way to be able to be, I love the the woman in the pink dress, like analogy. <laughs> How can you help her be that woman in the pink dress? Right. You know? So a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Again, um, advice I've received over the years that sticks with me. I remember the things that I use on a regular basis. So one thing that somebody told me early on is that one thing that women don't have going for them is our size and stature. Mm-hmm. You walk into a room, you're smaller. <laughs> you know, you just mm-hmm. are. But you sit at a board table and you have many cases, big, broad men And they physically take up room. Mm -hmm. So in this book I read said, scope out your space, put your pen, put your pad, make room. Mm -hmm. Don't let the men invade your space, own your space Mm -hmm. and occupy it. And so it's a, it's a way of being present and owning your position right from the get go. And establishing that every time you're invited to a meeting, there's a reason why you're invited to the meeting. Mm -hmm. So you should contribute something at every single meeting, even just one thing. If you're invited to the meeting, it's because somebody thought that you bring value to that meeting. Otherwise, they wouldn't invite you. Mm -hmm. So no one should ever come to a meeting and be silent. And that's powerful because that's a big issue, too, that they don't want to speak. Right. Yeah. They feel diminished or they feel well, like they're not worthy. Well, it's that intimidation really quickly. Right. Well, they are marginalizing themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. And they need to come, they need to do their homework and be prepared and come with one thought, one recommendation, one idea, mm-hmm. listen to what somebody else says, even if somebody else is a thought leader, mm-hmm. then sit and contemplate that and see how they can expand upon that idea. And acknowledge that and say, Bob, that was a great idea. I have, an, I have a thought about how we might take that idea to the next step. Mm-hmm. And so I just think that that's a very important thing. If you're invited to a meeting, you're invited there for a reason and you should be contributing. And then along the way, um, I've worked with professional coaches because I've had I've been at crossroads in my career too, where mm-hmm. I felt okay. I've used all the tools in my toolbox, mm-hmm. and I now have some new professional challenges, and not really sure. Mm-hmm. So I've reached out and I've gotten some some tutoring, if you will, and worked with a professional career coach, and have learned a couple of really great things. And one of the things my coach says to me, or said to me, is stand in your power. At every level, you have responsibility, you have a job description, and you have a role. And you need to stand in that role. 
and stand in it proudly and sit up straight and make eye contact Mm -hmm. and stand in your power because you have power at every role. Mm -hmm. And that's a way to start gaining confidence. Mm -hmm. And confidence builds confidence. Experience builds confidence. I know we've been talking a lot about career. You're very career driven all your life. Can women have it all? This work-life balance is always coming up in our conversations. How do I, because I'm so driven, especially women of today, and mm-hmm. and, and it's you've paved the path for sure. Mm-hmm. Is it possible to have a work-life balance? Mm-hmm. So um, I have, boy, I have so many thoughts on that. Yes, but not always at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I am a mom. I'm a wife and a mother. And as much as I love my career. I don't define myself by my career. I think that's unhealthy. Um, I pursue my career because it's satisfying to me and I find personal satisfaction from my career. It is my profession, but it isn't always my purpose. And so I have other things in my life that satisfy my purpose. And my family is part of that. And that's very, very, very important. Mm -hmm. So striking the balance is excruciatingly difficult. And it's different at different times in my life. I've had to sacrifice different things at different points in my life. Um, You know, I think of myself as, you know, sort of the Abbey pie. (laughs) And there are slices in the pie. And those slices in the pie grow and shrink in terms of the amount of or percent of Abby that they can be given to. Mm -hmm. So there's been over the years, my career, which gets a really big piece of the Abby pie, and it will continue to take as much as I can possibly give it. There's my children, which get a very big piece as much as I can give it. Mm -hmm. There's my husband, which gets too small of a piece because (laughs) the other pieces um, demand so much from me. And then there's the Abby piece, my personal time, my um, service to myself, Mm -hmm. my exercise, the Mm -hmm. things that I do to nourish my own self and replenish my resources, that gets shrunk and shrunk and shrunk. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to pay attention to those pieces Um, Make sure that the career piece is not being too greedy and keeping it in check as best you can. And there are going to be times and weeks and months where you're working on projects and maybe it's, you know, huge. Mm -hmm. But you always have to get it back because nobody else is going to keep that in check except for you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't understand boundaries. So you have to make those boundaries. Mm -hmm. Um, The children piece, you only get one shot at raising your children and loving them and having them feel loved and developing those relationships, which far exceed careers or anything else. So that deserves very, very important time. Your relationship is key to everything. And you have to stay healthy and you have to take care of yourself. So that all of these things constantly have to be adjusted and looked at. And there are periods in life where the the balance is going to be different and you always have to be adjusting. Just when you think you have it right, circumstances are going to change and you have to rebalance. And that's how I think you do it all. Mm-hmm. But it's always got an adjustment. So I don't know that you can do it all 
the way you feel happy and content right. all the time. Mm-hmm. I think you can have it all, but not all at the same time. That was so good. So powerful. (laughs) Abby, we know you're a very busy lady and we don't (laughs) want to take so much of your time. But just to let the womanhood know, there will be a part two (laughs) because there is so much to talk about. Thank you so much for taking your time. It's my pleasure. And I look forward to it. And I um, I welcomed you to come back. I welcome to talk about other topics. And and I wish you all the luck in the world. This is really important work what you're doing. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you want to learn more about Abby Auerbach, please visit wearemillennialwomen.com. Let's stay connected. Follow us at We Are Millennial Women on Instagram and Facebook to follow our journey as we hear the voices of the women of our generation and uncover the challenges we all face and how we choose to overcome them and lead our best lives. We hope you enjoyed this episode and encourage you to continue on with the conversation. Always remember to keep being the strong, amazing woman that you are and never forget to live inspired. Until next time, MW. Always love Melissa and Stephanie Carcace.